Welcome to the Seek First podcast with Steve and Jordan. This is a podcast about seeking first the kingdom of God where we work, live, and play. The content of each podcast will correspond to the current sermon series at Ontario Christian Church, current events that rise up, and also to the church calendar. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to episode five of season two. Uh, we're working through um, Jonathan Holmes's book, The Company We Keep in Search of Biblical Friendship. We're using it kind of as a jump off point. Um, we're going to be looking at chapter six, and we're also going to be um, kind of bringing in some other um, scriptures and some other thoughts as well. And then, uh, so if you don't have this book, we encourage you to pick it up. Uh, it, the sh- it's in the show notes where you can click on the link to get that. And in the show notes this uh, time for this episode, we're also going to include a link to one of Brad Hambrick's resources as well when it comes to accountability and friendship. So, yeah, so go ahead and kick us off into this episode. Sure. So we want to today talk about uh, two aspects that are kind of near the end of the book, one of them being a patience as we develop biblical friendship, and one of them being the cultivation and the displaying of unity as the purpose of biblical friendship. Um, and so just to kind of a brief, and we'll kind of weave patience here in and out there, but it takes, and he makes this point in chapter four that um, forging a biblical friendship takes time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he makes great statements about how if we want, if we want biblical friendship, which, which we ought to want that, then we need to invest the time in biblical friendship, and that means saying no to some things in order to say yes to that. So I think on that note, just um, we want to prioritize this in our lives, mm-hmm. um, and this is uh, one of the primary ways that we can grow in maturity. So we'll, we'll kind of touch on patience as we go throughout because patience is definitely part of the process of cultivating and displaying unity in biblical friendship over time. Uh, but <clears throat> chapter 6 starts out with a a very intriguing question <clears throat> from the book, a spiritual friendship where these two friends are kind of back and forth in conversation. And Walter asks an honest question and in the process makes an important point. That's what he says. And he goes on to quote it since therefore I have read this excellent discussion on the nature of friendship. I should like to have you tell me what practical advantages it procures for those who cultivate it. It is only when its purposes and benefit are understood that it will be sought after with genuine ardor. Hmm. It's kind of like we need to know the end goal in mind. Like what is what what is this going to warrant me in my life in order for me to devote myself to pursuing it? And then uh, Jonathan Holmes goes on to say, perhaps you have a question similar to Walter's. Are biblical friendships really worth the effort? What are they meant to accomplish and what changes do they bring? And so... Um, <clears throat> that's why we, we kind of want to talk about unity. And this is going to uh, go back to some passages that we've actually looked at a little bit. Um, but on page 94, he says, Thus nothing proves the gospel better interpersonally when the fruit of the gospel is evident. So, again, we're getting back to this fruit that uh, biblical friendship portrays. And so kind of like we're going to pursue it because it, it does does bear this fruit in our lives. And uh, this unity that biblical friendship um, portrays is actually found in John 17. Um, this has come to be known as the high priestly prayer. This is Jesus praying for his disciples and the disciples that will come. And uh, Jesus says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. 
that they may be also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you have loved me. So this is the this is the purpose of biblical friendship, to portray uh, this community that is found within the Godhead, within the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, Steve, do you have any thoughts on that aspect as we kind of read through that passage and start to paint this picture? Well, even as you uh, read some of, of the reality that friendship bears fruit, biblical friendship bears fruit, I keep thinking to myself, all friendships bear fruit, right? So mm-hmm. whether they're mm-hmm. biblical, godly ones, or they're worldly ones, everything bears some form of fruit. Um, and so, I, and as I've been thinking about as you've been reading this and, and talking just briefly, that... Um, the world almost does better at this than the church, like mm-hmm. for intentionality and a common cause and the way they rally. It just amazes me sometimes. And we can learn a lot from it, ironically. Um, and hopefully just read these more of the passage and, and share our thoughts on this. But uh, we need to be very mindful of the influence that we have influencing us, but also what we're pouring out and what agreements or associations we've made with others as well. So biblical friendship can be very powerful uh, if there's an intentional outcome. The intentional outcome is to glorify God and to lift, build up others, right? Um, and so, yeah, the, that's what came through my mind was every friendship bears mm-hmm. fruit, whether mm-hmm. it's biblical or not. So the question becomes, what fruit do you want to bear with your life? Therefore, that kind of helps dictate to some degree what that relationship or friendship that you're seeking out is so does that make sense yeah totally. okay that's totally. that's what went through my mind and then jesus i mean good grief he prays for us to have this intentionality mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. Uh, so your maker your redeemer your savior uh is praying for his disciples us followers of jesus uh, to be intentional with the process of friendship and um yeah so that that's my initial thoughts i guess sure i, I think in verse 23 it's just he says i and them and you and me that they may be perfectly one. That's what you're getting at. He's he's praying for this to be a a reality that's born in the lives of of his followers who walk together in this world, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. And Jesus hits on this in John 15 that um, they will know, and they by the world that you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. Right. And so here we get to the might we even say evangelistic purpose of biblical friendship? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's for the biblical friends, like it's for your betterment and your maturity and your sanctification. But Jesus even goes on to say after that, that after like this unity becomes a picture to the world that God has sent Jesus into the world and loved them even, even as you have loved me. So what does that mean? That means your biblical friendship with somebody else has the chance to reveal the love of Jesus to an onlooker. And that's, I mean, that's just, that's amazing. That, that's, that's the, um, that, that's why he entitles that section, a picture worth a thousand words that this, this picture of community and fellowship and alongside one another actually preaches the gospel to the world. Yeah. And I think as we, as, um, Within biblical friendship, we're honest with it as well, right? So mm-hmm. the world sees us mess up, but it also sees what forgiveness and repentance mm-hmm. looks like, um, long-suffering, 
we have so it isn't just a testimony of hey we're christian people and we're friends and so everything's great it's it's beyond that it's right i mean the reason we have the narratives we have in the bible even with jesus's own specific 12 disciples <laughs> just messes <laughs> over and over again you know um and uh competition within them and just a whole bunch of stuff occurs within that relate those relationships uh, but that reveals God's nature, his mm-hmm. redemptive nature, and then also through the messiness of those relationships, um, it portrays to the world that you don't have to have it all together right. either, but you can come to Jesus, and together we can have that relationship that makes much of him, and so we grow with each other through that process as well. Right, and I think, you know, keeping in mind that when when you and I say biblical friendship in this conversation— we're we're building on all the things that we've already discussed Correct. within the last mm-hmm. podcasts that we've covered it. And so talk even like last week, the constancy and candor and carefulness mm-hmm. and counsel, like this alongside you in your life. Because I think sometimes we tend as Christians, and we've talked about this before, to push away the mess of our own lives so that people don't see it or you know, we try to clean ourselves up um, to appear a certain way. The reality is we actually, we do a disservice in that because people need to see that it's okay to not be okay and it's okay to be messy and it's okay to have messiness in our lives because the world is a mess. We're, we're all a mess. And so being people who display that you can bring that to Jesus um, is super important. And to be able to do that in the context of biblical friendship uh, proclaims that unity that God desires for us. Yes. The unity is about what God's doing for us and and to us. Right. Like you said, it's not just like, Oh, we're both Christians. Like, right. You know, it's that, no, I'm a mess. I'm a, I'm a sick sinner. So are you. And Jesus loves us and we're walking towards him together. Right on. Yeah. So I I think Ephesians four is important right here too. Okay. Um, says, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, building up the body of Christ, until we attain the unity of faith and of knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of Christ. This idea that we're we're growing up in Christ. Mm -hmm. He says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, candor, again, a huge aspect of biblical friendship, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And so, again, this idea of maturity and growing up in Christ is is kind of, I mean, it's part of unity. And he talks about just previously in that chapter in Ephesians 4 that um, Paul is calling them to the calling to which they've been called with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another love. And he says, eager to maintain the mm-hmm. unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. That is, we have one body and one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, mm-hmm. one God and Father of all. This is where our unity comes from. And so we need to, we ought to cultivate and display this unity. So how, how then do we cultivate and display this unity? Um, I, I find it, Really helpful that he says on page 96, he says, This unity among believers is not achieved by us. It is established for us through the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's not, it's kind of like your salvation. It's not something you do, it's something you receive. Mm -hmm. And then because of that receiving, you then act on it. Um, And he gives three really practical ways to what he says publicly live out biblical friendship within the body of Christ. And so you want to hit that first one on page 98? This is something you talk about a lot. 
Uh, redeeming ordinary moments. What you do as well, like living in the mundane, mm-hmm. redeeming what is right in front of you in those relationships. And I was thinking about this specific, I think it's this part. Yeah, it is. Um, like the, the, the strongest friendships that I have had in my life are the ones where um, my buddy would be like, hey, jump in the truck. I need to go cut firewood. Can you do that with me? We'll talk Jesus while we're doing that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, to me, those have been some of the strongest friendships is as we're doing life, we're, we're living we're maturing in Christ together, talking hard stuff, joking about some other stuff. It's just a relationship that is looking out for one another. And I can remember just a number of occasions where it's like, for me at least, it was like splitting wood, going fishing, uh, having coffee, whatever it is, just life. Um, so Brian is listening, and I'm sure, and he recently shared about how his wife loves others well by just mm-hmm. folding, co- going over their homes and helping them fold laundry. And so mm-hmm. it's like the mundane or everyday life things are invitations for us to be friends, biblical friends that help one another in those moments or just around each other in those moments as well. And as I was reading this, I was thinking of, and I don't, I don't think they'll mind, but Keith and Nancy are part of our discipleship, our small group, our community group. And after a group this last Sunday, <clears throat> they uh, hung out with us. And we talked about bees and beekeeping. We talked about the chickens. We looked at the backyard where we need to put those things. And it was just a sweet moment just to kind of be together and talk about life and what is it that we're up to in our little homestead? Mm-hmm. We got back in a little couple acres, right? Um, but it was kind of sharing life together. Um, and it wasn't like like we prayed, we finished the, the community group at the time, and then we were just in our life mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. friendship um, is redeeming everyday moments. It's not just, hey, I'll see you between here and here, and then once we leave here, it's over. And I know I catch flack because I try to kick people out on Monday evenings after a class because I'm ready to be home by 8 o'clock. But I appreciate that a lot of people – some people stay out in the, in, in the parking lot and talk life, which is encouraging mm-hmm. to me. Um, so, yeah, that's what comes to my mind about uh, redeeming ordinary moments, like just doing life together mm-hmm. uh, is really helpful. What are your thoughts, though? Yeah, I mean, you, you hit it. You said, uh, you said life together multiple times, and he, he quotes that, too, and says Bonhoeffer's classic phrase. And we've quoted him many times, and, and Jonathan quotes him many times in this book. But I think it's because his understanding of what – uh, what the Christian life in community ought to be. I remember um, I had this class my freshman year, and it was called uh, Spiritual Life and Community. And it was really funny. My professor who taught it was like, I want to change the name of this class so bad. She's like, it should be Spiritual Life in Community. Mm. Uh, because spiritual life and our growth in Christ only happens within the context of community. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this last week. It's not a... It's not a Jesus and me project. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not right. a, I'm going to just, like, we need to belong to a people and be known by a people and be, and be close enough to one another and be in proximity enough to one another to be able to redeem those ordinary moments with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. You know, the world's actually teaching classes on how to be a community right now, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to see it. Um especially in the homesteading circles and whatnot, and hearing about groups getting together and having they're paying somebody to come teach them how to be community. And I'm going, man, that should be what the church is like. We should be like displaying this. So, right. so there should be, we're picking it up. But I think the, the world to some degree is desperate for it. Mm-hmm. You know, we want that and we just find it in unusual places or we've been burnt by community and friendship. And so we're really leery of taking that risk again. But um, yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons. I think one of them is we, like you said, we've been burnt. There's, we just don't practice it very well. I think sometimes we've, it's because we think the church is a building mm-hmm. and not a people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I go to church, mm-hmm. which of course you go to church, but, um, 
you go to church, you go to the church building to gather mm-hmm. with the body of Christ. Right That's on. why we call it a yep. gathering. Like yep. it's this, uh, it's God bringing us together mm-hmm. uh, to uh, sing his praise and hear his word and all those partake of his supper and all those things. But, yeah, um, I think that's partially why. Yeah. I, I'm going to spin back just real quick to the uh, chapter four where it's um, being intentional mm-hmm. with that process of friendship, like making it happen. Christine and I were just talking because our schedules are rather busy and I'm trying to do everything I can right now to kind of close that gap and give myself some bandwidth. And, and the Lord has been really faithful in providing that for us. But she just texted me this morning and said, hey, are you doing this? Because it's on the calendar at 530 because I would like to go hang out with my friend at that time as well. We haven't connected in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of like redeeming, like if she's busy this time, then what can I do? Can I help in the home or can I go, can I also redeem that moment with friendship? So Mm -hmm. being purposeful and intentional to maintain those relationships are really important, I think. Definitely. Um, And and so not only in everyday life, but also the intentionality of, hey, if my husband or wife's busy here, then can I steal away some time Mm -hmm. uh, for that that other friendship as well? Sorry to just poke that in there, but it came to my mind as uh, not only in the everyday life, but also... Um, being purposeful and mm-hmm. intentional, making it happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Should we hit the next one? Yeah, go for it. Uh, so redeeming ordinary moments is second one within the context of, you know, examples of publicly living out biblical friendship within the body of Christ is practicing informal counseling. He says, when a group of people truly understand the purpose and value of biblical friendship and begin spending time with one another in real life situations, see, it's kind of building on this informal mm-hmm. counseling can take, can begin to take place so naturally that they may not even realize it's happening. Mm-hmm. I've totally had these moments and you're like, wow, we're three hours into this conversation and it's so good. <laughs> and this is awesome. You right. know? And so, uh, this happens and it, it both, I think both with the redeeming ordinary moments and the intentionality that you're talking about, um, this is a, and I like what he said at the beginning, he said, uh, the three aspects. Each one is at the same time a fruit of biblical friendship and a way of pursuing it further. So this redemption of ordinary moments, that's a fruit of biblical friendship and a way to continue to pursue biblical friendship. The practicing and formal counseling is a fruit of biblical friendship and a way of continuing to pursue it. So practicing and formal counseling goes with the uh, one of the four C's. I wonder which one it is. <laughs> counseling goes with counseling. Imagine that. So how can we grow in this um, practicing of informal counseling? We talked a little bit about it last week, but just kind of towards a practical, um, like a way of continuing to pursue and also this fruit being born in our biblical friendships. Yeah. Before we get there, there's a tale I want to share because there's sure. a comedian, a really popular comedian. I just listened to some of his stuff. Uh, it's clean comedian just for the record. Okay. But, and I'm not going to say his name cause it's just not worth it. But, um, he talked about how, um, he was going to play golf with a friend who had been divorced and is going through all these issues. And his wife, when he gets home, asks him, what'd you, how's that guy doing? And he's like, well, I don't know. And so the wife was like, how do you not know? Did you not ask any questions to find out how your friend was doing? He's like, no. The only thing I found out was that he got a brand new driver. You know, and it's supposed to be this funny moment. It is kind of funny, but it's like also stings. Like, is it Mm. to what degree have we made friendship based upon the thing versus the person? Mm -hmm. And so, um, of course, I watched it and laughed and went, ouch. You know, this should we shouldn't this should not be the case. Like 
uh, it should be the opposite. We should be known, especially as Christians, of being able to ask these questions of one another mm-hmm. out of not trying to stir up, stir up gossip or anything along those lines. We're not supposed to be busybodies, but for the intentional reason of truly understanding what's going on in the person's life so we can be there with them. And so counsel comes in. First off, you have to know the Word of God. You have mm-hmm. to be filled with the Spirit of the Lord. You have to be born again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if those things are lining up, and you mentioned that last week, I think you did, which did a great job, but... Then if I'm in the Word and I know it and I'm growing in my own faith, we talked about this Sunday, can't offer what you don't possess. So the mm-hmm. counsel you give has to be from the Lord, but it's also interwoven within what's going on in the life of the person. And so you can't know how to give godly counsel unless you've done some hard questions. Mm-hmm. Like And mm-hmm. so opened up the door uh, to sharing life together. And I know as men, that's really awkward at times, but... Um, not just men, women as well, but just being open to exploring what's going on in each other's hearts and minds and, and uh, seeking the Lord on those things and then making sure that the counsel that we offer one another is godly according to his mm-hmm. word and his will. But mm-hmm. those are some initial thoughts. Yeah, I think it's it's towards the, the idea of deep friendship. Absolutely. You know, like mm-hmm. this is, <clears throat> and any any idea of biblical friendship is not something that's shallow where we only engage with conversation in conversation with one another when it comes to sports or certain aspects of things I enjoy. Like we've said before, that's not bad. No, we should have no, things in common. No, absolutely. But those things in common should only propel us to the deeper thing in common that we have with one another, which is Jesus mm-hmm. and his work that he's doing in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so I think... I don't know. I keep having the word proximity come to mind Mm -hmm. in order to practice informal counseling in order to redeem ordinary moments. We do have to be close to one another, Mm -hmm. Um, both in like literal physical distance, but also in um, that friendship way, that depth of friendship. Yeah. When I'm thinking about the, um, man, I don't want to take us too far off for 20 something minutes, but um, when, when Paul, writes Ephesians, the church is under fire. Mm. So there wasn't much time for chit-chat. Nothing wrong with chit-chat. Right. I enjoy chit-chat. We we talk a lot. So sure. it isn't that I mind it at all. It's just that when Christians were getting together at the beginning of the church movement, they were under persecution. Hmm. So there may they may have stolen away opportunities to play cornhole. I don't know, you know, and have fun. I'm sure they probably did. The church did that. But mm-hmm. the, to them, fun was gathering around a table and breaking bread and mm-hmm. sharing a meal and sharing life and sharing resources and sharing Christ with one another. And so, and I don't want to, I don't want to become dogmatic nor legalistic. And that is not my intention at all. Sure. My point being that uh, we are very comfortable. And so I don't, I think that we would, we tend to as American Christians stray into the, the shallow waters very easily. Um, whereas I think if we were under persecution or things were going hard in mm-hmm. our life, we'd be, forced into the deep end together. Mm-hmm. And I think that God in his grace and mercy allows some things in our life to do that so that we do, we either find ourselves out there alone, hoping that we have somebody or that we see one another out in those deep ends and then swim out to them. Right. And so as I think about what is uh, informal counseling is going to the deep end together sometimes mm-hmm. when something happens in someone's life that is hard, um, they're going through a difficult time being going swimming out with them in that and giving godly hope and godly counsel and mm-hmm. prayer and godly presence, which is a big piece of this is just being present. Right. Just being remembered is a big deal for people. Mm-hmm. So um, and it's and I think 
um, the cool thing with this thinking about, sorry, I'm going a little tangent here. Just bear with me for a moment. We're all called to be ministers of the gospel of Christ. You and I are blessed to be paid (laughs) to do it, right? This is Mm -hmm. what we live, eat, and breathe. Um, But we're all called as brothers and sisters in Jesus to be ministers of the gospel. And so the the advancement of of the gospel moves quicker as the body of Christ does these things well, mm-hmm. as we redeem ordinary moments of biblical friendship, as we practice informal counseling with one another within biblical friendship. And the next one you're going to get to is experiencing embedded accountability, mm-hmm. accountable to one another in biblical friendship. The, the, the church grows in maturity so much faster mm-hmm. when we, as the body of Christ, share these gifts with one another versus you and I are the elders pouring this out and hoping we have enough to pour out before we burn out, you know? Right. Uh, so it's just a, it's a really cool gift that God has given us uh, as the body of Christ. Sorry, tangent over. That was we can good. move on to number three. No, it made me think of this. Uh, we, we recently had this conversation uh, that our fruitfulness and effectiveness as a church does in part rest on our unity. And if these are ways of cultivating and displaying yeah, unity. That's good. And so it, it's, it's, again, this, uh, this idea of being in one another's lives. Um, which again, these, these, uh, three examples he gives, um, continue to build on one another. So the next one is experiencing embedded accountability. Um, there's, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to discuss here. Um, but I, I think what I was going back to, even as you were talking and going into this next question, um, <clears throat> one of the questions that Jonathan asked in, I believe the first chapter was basically along the lines of, should I be concerned that there's not anybody in my life or anybody in my church that knows me deeply? Um, and we kind of said, yes, mm. <laughs> yes, you should be concerned, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and of course we, we talked about how to pursue that and look for it and, and whatnot. But, um, with this question, um, should we be concerned if I don't have accountability embedded in my relationships? Cause the fact of the matter is, and he talks about this, we shouldn't build a relationship just based on accountability. Right, right on. Yep. He says accountability relationships ultimately succeed or fail on the quality of the relationship itself. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we've all seen this take place in some way, mm-hmm. shape, or form. Mm-hmm. You know, Not that starting an accountability group is a bad thing. It's good intention. Mm-hmm. It just it needs to... It needs to be built upon an already quality relationship Absolutely. or a relationship yes. that's moving in the yep. direction of quality. Um, unity in the gospel, not just, I think, I think sometimes if we build relationships just based on accountability, we're just trying to manage our sin rather than growing Christ. That's right on. And so we need to be building on the foundation that is Jesus. Um, but we do need to have accountability is Mm -hmm. the flip side. And so it's this, I keep, um, I think it's C.S. Lewis who, who talks about this concept of further up and farther in. Hmm. And that, that is, that is biblical friendship and pursuing Christ mm-hmm. and, and it further up and farther in to Jesus together in mm-hmm. maturity and Christlikeness and becoming more and more like him. Um, and I, we shouldn't be comfortable in the shallow end. Mm-hmm. But my fear is that at times too many of us are. And so we don't experience this, this level of depth of relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's what we're called to, but it's also what leads us to maturity and flourishing. Yeah, and it's it's got to be reciprocal. Right. 
So my, my, in my experience, especially in biblical counseling is, is I, I only have so much bandwidth. Whereas if you are in a group with three friends that are holding one another accountable to pursuing what the Lord has, not just in management, but going beyond that, like where is God leading you? Not just being anchored to the past. Mm-hmm. Um, then you're more likely to be successful in getting set free from things because uh, proximity, like you mentioned before, vulnerability, account, like all those pieces play into community that says, hey, you know, I can meet with Steve from on, you know, the Thursday at 530 and be accountable to him for that hour. But I have no clue what you're doing as soon as we get off that phone call, you mm-hmm. know, whereas your guys that are ladies that are holding you accountable in your walk with Christ, not just your sin management they have access to you and they're more prone. You're more prone to being open with them and they can hold you accountable outside of that quote unquote hour. And so it's a gift again from God to have community in this proximity community. And, um, I like, uh, you were probably going somewhere so you can keep going. If you, okay. So Brad Hambrick has a few things and I'll put this in the show notes. Uh, I found this to be extremely helpful mm-hmm. for me because when, when we think of accountability, especially within friendship or whatever, we think of it being like this agreement, um, and it's usually sin hunting, like it's almost always sin hunting mm-hmm. versus incorporating the other two that were mentioned in the book. Um, but his one question is, what, it, what if I don't have a friend who will serve the role of accountability? Because I'm finding this over and over again with guys that I'm talking with. Like they can't find somebody. Um, he has three things real quick. He says, make yourself accountable, which is a radically different mindset from having accountability. If you're married and struggling with sexual sin, this is a vital step in protecting your spouse. So just being in the, in the posture of, you know what, I'm going to be accountable. Um, I'm making myself available for that. Uh, two, he says, uh, see who appreciates the authenticity of your actions. People are hungry for authenticity. Live the kind of relationship you want mm. and see who is drawn to you. And I think this is key. Yeah. And, and I challenge guys all the time, like, um, be who you're asking someone else to be first right. sometimes. Right, right. And that you'll find that it, it may end up reciprocal mm-hmm. and, and seek that in that way. And the third thing he says, and invest in that relationship you develop in point two, like be intentional with the investment. Um, mm-hmm. And I like also within this article, just real quick, um, his point being that, especially if you're struggling with a s- sexual sin or a, an addiction type sin, sin hunting is, you know, it's probably needed in the moment, but mm-hmm. life needs to go beyond that. Like accountability needs to go beyond and so he has five questions. What are you doing to enjoy life is a, one of his questions. Uh, what new stressors are entering your life so that you're more aware of one another's current state of being, mm-hmm. um, not just sin hunting? Third one he asks is, uh, would you like to just hang out? Because I think, like, to, so you really actually like me as a friend? Cool. Right, you know, right. this is good. You don't just want to know the, the darkness of me. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so you feel better about yourself, right? Right. Yeah. For who or what is getting too much airtime in your thought life right mm. now and just challenging each other and, you know, where's your, what's, what's got your heart? What's got your mind right now? What's, what's messing around with that? And mm-hmm. then the fifth is what are you passionate about in the coming weeks, months, or year? And how is it going? And then, of course, the traditional questions, which I'm not going to get into right now. But I appreciate that uh, it kind of has this the full spectrum of relationship in in this article as well. So we'll put the show notes in there. We'll add this to the show notes. Sure. Yeah, it's a great article. I remember when you um, you shared it with me before, and then I think you uh, handed it out in the uh, the How People Change class on Monday nights. Yeah. I think. There's a lot of reasons we might not get here in relationships, but one of them is because we have experience in accountability relationship that's not built on friendship, but on sin management or sin hunting or something like that. And so 
I agree. This is just such a breath of fresh air. It's like, no, let's get back to friendship, you know, not just, not just sin hunting. Yeah. And so this idea of wanting to know one another in a more deep way. So yeah. anything else on experiencing embedded accountability? I was just going to ask you if you had any closing thoughts. Yeah. I mean, we're closing out, um, this, this series, yep. biblical friendship. So what are some parting thoughts we can give, um, in, in pursuit of this? Yeah. I like how Jonathan in, in the appendix of the book, he asked the questions, where do I begin the process of forging friendships? And he gives three basic steps, pray, look, and follow through. Mm-hmm. Uh, so being faithful in that process. Um, cause I think that sometimes you just want to observe and kind of hope and, maybe knock on a door here and there, which is fine. But um, just being intentional to seek the Lord in this, like who is it that he's calling you to, to befriend, by the way, mm. not like, Hey, will you be my friend? But no, befriend them. It's like you do the work of, of friendship. Um, and then to look like, who is it that, that the Lord is placing on your heart? And uh, within our church here, uh, maybe part of your community group, a women's group, a men's group, somebody you sit next to on a Sunday morning, somebody who lives in your community, which may be important here because we mm-hmm. got people spread across like five counties that come to here. So yeah. you may to think proximity will matter in some mm-hmm. of this as well. And the irony is, is it may not be somebody here at OCC for our people. It might be somebody that's a follower of Jesus that worships in another place. You know what? That's, mm-hmm. a, that's good. Right, right. Um, and so the, the key being... Is it an iron sharpening iron type relationship? But you both of you have the bandwidth uh, to get in that thing and then follow through, like Mm. uh, make the phone call, send off the text, Mm. go have coffee, whatever it is that that you do to make a connection with somebody after that, be obedient. I think that's one of our hardest things that we struggle with is actually being obedient. Mm. We'll spend a lot of time in prayer. We'll even look for a long time, but will we actually take this step? Um, because of past wounds or just fear, whatever may be at play in that moment. So that's, I don't know. And I'd encourage you, if you didn't listen to the series and you're just now jumping in, go back to season two, episode one, Mm -hmm. and then re-listen up to five because we kind of peruse this book and and I don't want to redo all of it right now. So how about you? Totally. Yeah, I think think the biggest thing for me in closing is, and, and you touched on it briefly a moment ago, that <clears throat> we need to uh we need to work on being the kind of friend we want to have. Yep. Um and so it you know, pray, look, follow through, but also make sure you're focusing on your relationship with Jesus, um, and letting him do his work in you, um, and informing you into a biblical friend. Absolutely. And the reality is we are I think some we we missed this and we've mentioned it, but I think it's important to mention one last time we bear fruit in our relationships, whether bad or good. Mm-hmm. And so we want to be growing into the kind of friend that we, we want to have. And so we want to be working on bearing good fruit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we appreciate you listening in this series. Again, pick up the book if you'd like. Um, the Company We Keep in Search of Biblical Friendship by Jonathan Holmes. And also I'll put the show in the show notes this article by Brad Hambrick. And if you have other resources on friendship, we'd love to hear about them. You feel free to uh, email those resources to podcast seek first at gmail.com um, and then also we'd love to hear what you would like for us to talk about we're coming into resurrection sunday and some other things we'll probably start heading that direction here in a future podcasts but if something is on your mind we'd love to hear about it so that we could uh, maybe speak into it with the word thanks for listening god bless thanks for listening to the seek first podcast with steve and jordan we hope you enjoyed the conversation today 
If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please feel free to reach out to us, as well as any topics you would like us to consider in the weeks to come. We encourage you to continue to seek first the kingdom of God where you work, live, and play. Blessings.